This episode is brought to you with support from Whole Foods. As our resident Greek girl, I am a sucker for Mediterranean flavors and want you to taste the Mediterranean too. Go to Whole Foods Market now and save on regionally inspired products through March 19th. Find sales on animal welfare certified meat, including boneless, skinless, air-chilled chicken breast, bone-in beef short ribs, ground lamb, and more. Save on whole bronzini and sustainable wild-caught sockeye salmon. And stock up on Mediterranean essentials like feta cheese crumbles, whole wheat pita pockets, and if you're over 21, wines from Spain, Greece, and Italy. Grab your ingredients and experiment with family-friendly Mediterranean cuisine today. Think Greek-style ground lamb pitas, lemony oven-roasted chicken, or bronzino, or instant pot short ribs braised in wine. All simple and delicious. Taste the Mediterranean now at Whole Foods Market. Armoire makes getting dressed easy. With a clothing rental membership from Armoire, build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. Is anyone else struggling with what to wear these days? I've been pretty frustrated with getting dressed over the last few months as I've navigated body changes, and some days I quite literally have no idea what to wear. Enter Armoire. Armoire allows you to rent high-quality designer clothing for every occasion. When I signed up, I took a style quiz, and based on my preferences, they offered suggestions that would best match my life. I've been renting clothes from Armoire for a while now, and the more I rent, the more on point the suggestions get. Plus, you send what you wear back, which is a great way to try new styles without waste. Armoire also has such a fantastic range of options. Whether you're planning an outfit for a date night, packing for a conference, or maybe a family event, or just need some updated options for everyday life, you'll be the best-dressed person in the room without ever having to find time for an exhausting shopping day. Right now, Didn't I Just Feed You listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash D-I-J-F-Y. That is armoire.style, A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash D-I-J-F-Y to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try armoire today. Stacy, coming out of the pandemic and right into a cross-country move, I decided that it was time for a new vitamin routine for my kids. We have so much going on. I don't want to stress about whether they're getting everything they need. I just want to know that they are. I get it. With the boys, we have been through so many different vitamin phases. In fact, we stopped taking vitamins right before lockdown. Since I was cooking every single meal, I figured that I could ensure the boys were getting everything they needed. But things have changed around here, too. Wait, tell me more about that. Okay, so listen, everyone who knows us knows that we prioritize food joy. And this year has emphasized that even more. I want the boys to have food autonomy, and that means letting go, not my strength, (laughs) but I want (laughs) to let go while knowing that they are getting what they need nutritionally. And not giving them a vitamin dressed up as candy. There you go. (laughs) Crazy. (laughs) As I was researching vitamins, I couldn't believe how much sugar some of them have. Which is why we're both so excited about our new sponsor, Haya. It's the perfect timing in both of our homes for a zero sugar vitamin. Whoop. The other interesting thing I learned while researching is that most vitamins were formulated to fill the nutritional gaps in kids' diet based on out-of-date nutritional guidelines from the 1980s. That was even longer ago for you than for me. (laughs) It is based on a modern kid's diet. 
Their vitamins are made with a blend of 12 farm-fresh fruits and vegetables, then supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals known to help support a healthy immune system, energy levels, brain function, mood, need that, teeth, bones, and more. Also, zero sugar and stale tasty. But honestly, the best part of Hyatt is the convenience. Your vitamins come straight to your door with a pediatrician-recommended schedule. The first month comes with a reusable glass bottle that your kids can personalize with stickers. Then every month thereafter, Hyatt sends a no-plastic refill pouch of fresh vitamins. Good for the planet, no sugar, non-GMO, vegan, dairy-free, allergy-free, gelatin-free, nut-free, and everything else you can imagine. I'm sold. More importantly, our kids are sold, too. We've worked out an exclusive offer with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. Didn't I Just Feed You listeners receive 50% off their first order. To claim this deal, you must go to HayaHealth.com backslash D-I-J-F-Y or enter the code D-I-J-F-Y at checkout. That's H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H dot com slash D-I-J-F-Y, and get your kids the full body nourishment that they need to grow into healthy adults. Full discount applied at checkout. The exact pot you use, how big the pot is, is your heat a medium or is it slightly higher? These are all factors, which is why rice can be so tricky. So it really is a matter of like experimenting. When you find the right setting on your stove, When you find the right pot that works for you for that two cups of rice that you always cook as a matter of course for your family, you should really just stick with that. Welcome to Didn't I Just Feed You, a podcast about feeding kids. Hi, I'm Stacy. And I'm Megan. Before we get into this week's episode, don't forget to subscribe right now, right where you're listening. And if you find yourself with an extra minute, leave us a rating or a review too. Those ratings really help other busy parents and home cooks find us. Plus, we love them. I've never cried during reading one. Never. Never. Not once. (laughs) Not once. That's only you, Megan. I've cried many times over reviews. I'm just joking. Just kidding. I've never cried over the bad ones. (laughs) I know. The bad ones kind of make me laugh because, you know, they're really only like a handful of bad ones, like two or three, to be honest. And I think they're kind of funny. Yeah. Or they're like helpful. They're constructive criticism. Yes, totally. Totally. So any kind of review you leave us is helpful, actually. Mm -hmm. Hey, we're going to talk about rice today and in a couple of upcoming episodes as well. I think it's really interesting. We just did a whole rice package on kitchen and this is like a conversation that's coming up in food media in general about this idea that like every culture has rice in it and it's probably one of the most significant grains in the world and how we talk about rice is also how we talk about culture in a lot of ways yeah so Today, we're going to talk about just how to cook rice, like the basics of it. And then the follow-up episode is going to explore culture with a couple of amazing guests. So I'm super excited about that episode. You know, you mentioned that it's a significant crop. And actually, I did a little research, food nerd. Mm -hmm. It's rice is the most widely consumed staple food for over half of the world's human population. And as a commodity, it's the third highest worldwide production after maize slash corn and sugarcane. 
which are bigger commodity crops, but they are also grown for non-human consumption purposes, unlike rice. So even though it's third, it's the most widely consumed staple food for over half of the world's human population. Crazy. This is very important and delicious stuff. And maybe more to the point even, kids love rice. (laughs) (laughs) Although, you know, um, one of our longtime listeners, Erin Romer, Sorry if I got your last name wrong, Erin. We were DMing about rice bowls this week, and she was like, weirdly, my kids are not into it. So don't feel like your kids are weird if they haven't caught on to how great rice is. And actually, my 14-year-old doesn't like plain rice. Really? Has to be dressed up in some way. Well, he likes, like, he loves fried rice. He loves risotto. But if you put rice on the bottom of the plate, steamed white rice, and then you top it with anything from jambalaya to curry— he barely eats the rice. Interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. And Oliver's the complete opposite. Oliver loves rice. And strangely, he loves rice with vinegar. <laughs> so anytime you give him rice, it doesn't even matter what he goes. And he's like very discerning about his vinegars. Like, you know, if it's curry, he's like, should I do rice vinegar or cider vinegar? Like if it's something more Italian, he's like, I'll grab the balsamic vinegar. So like he's (laughs) making choices. (laughs) He's very um, intuitive because, you know, some rice, specifically sushi rice or what we think of as sushi rice is actually just short grain rice that's been cooked and seasoned with rice vinegar. Yeah. So I don't know. He's like, he's really onto something. I think that's where he gets it from because he loves Japanese food. Yes. And I think he has like a taste for seasoned rice and then kind of like figured out what it was. It's hard to go back to anything else. Yeah. Do your kids like rice? My kids love rice and Brian's Mama Ruth as his maternal grandmother, she cooks like long grain white rice. It is so soft. Then she puts like a ton of butter on it. And that is like Brian's perception of what rice should be. And so our kids have gotten hooked on like plain rice, but with like a ton of butter and salt on it. And it's really funny. Recently, I tried to serve Emmett just like plain rice with the stuff on top of it. And he was like, No. He's like, where's the butter and salt on this? (laughs) That is so funny. I mean, that is a delicious way to enjoy rice. It really is. But I'm like Oliver. I love seasoning it with vinegar or spices instead of just eating it plain. But I think we're primarily going to talk about cooking techniques and how to cook plain rice and when and where to season it, right? Absolutely. I love that you brought up like what an agricultural commodity rice is because in doing research for Kitchen's Rice Package we recently did, I learned how much rice is actually grown in the U.S. Like California, Calrose rice is 80% of the rice that comes out of California. The Carolinas grow rice. The Great Lakes region grows a lot of wild rice. And actually wild rice is the only rice that is native to the United States. So it's really cool how we can think like, oh, rice is part of Japanese culture and Chinese culture and um, Indian culture, but it's actually a huge part of American food culture too. And I love that. I think our guests in the upcoming culture episode will talk a little bit more about that. But I thought we could dive in with talking about types of rice because I think that that's like an easy way to categorize things, but also is helpful when you're like in the grocery store and you're like, what type of rice do I actually need? Yes, totally. Yes. So long grain, medium grain, short grain are the general categories 
There's also in the supermarket, when you're thinking about the supermarket and not so much the plant, there's also instant or parboiled rice, which I think we should touch on too, because it's a convenience and we should just talk about that. I'm most familiar with long grain and short grain. Right. But let's dig into all of them. Okay. So long grain is, I think, what we most often think of when we think of rice because it includes jasmine and basmati, which even though they're very similar, are slightly different rices, right? Like they're both aromatic. They both are long grains and they cook up in a very fluffy, separate texture. But long grain rice also includes wild rice, which is technically not a rice because it's the seed of a grass. We just eat it like rice, which is a whole, it could be a whole episode. I thought that all rice was the seed of a grass. I don't Maybe think it's that's a different right. species. It's I think it's different species and also like we eat all of the parts of wild rice whereas like most other rice we eat the br- if we're eating like brown rice or black rice we're eating part of the bran but it's been processed further than truly just like the seed of the rice. So rice is a grain it is the seed of a grass species. So yes. cuz I just looked it up. So the all rices. And so I think that's the point about rice, wild rice, like red rice, black rice. We're talking about different grass species and also how much of the bran is on it, too. Like those are the distinctions. Yes. And that's important to understand because things like brown rice and wild rice take longer to cook because they're less processed and they have that shell, the bran, on it. Um, So that impacts cooking time. It's sort of akin to wheat, you know? Yeah. I mean, in a really broad stroke kind of way. You know, all-purpose flour, white flour, and then you even have, you know, more processed versions of that with, like, cake flour and whatever. Then there's whole wheat flour that has more of the bran in it. It is processed a little less, but it also is thirstier, and it cooks up different, and, it you know, different ratios of water and different times to bake. A little bit, right? Like, broad stroke speaking? Oh, for sure. And then the other thing that's important to talk about when we talk about rice and how it cooks or what sort of texture it delivers based on how you cook it is starch content. So long grain rice has like a little bit lower starch content, which is the thing that makes it fluffy versus like medium grain rice is primarily like arborio rice, which we think of for risotto and has like a higher starch content. And then short a lot of short grain rices, not to generalize them too much, also have high starch content, and they include things like sticky rice, um, calrose rice, these sort of rices that cook up and stick together in a desirable way. Yes, they're just higher starch. That's where you get that nice stickiness. Yes, or in the case of Arborio, you get that yummy, delicious sauce that's Mm. created as you add broth and water to cooking them. And again, to make a quick, like, broad stroke comparison to something that you guys might be familiar with, this idea that when you cook pasta, you take a little bit of the cooking water and add it to your sauce, what you're doing is you're basically adding a little bit of starch to get a silky, thickened texture. And that's what's happening with the aborio rice when you're cooking risotto. You know, it's not sticking together the way Japanese sticky rice, which is a short grain rice as well, will stick together. But it is releasing its starches in a way as you add the liquid where you get that nice, silky, beautiful sauce around it. Yes. So we talked about long grain rice, which those are the two, like, if you want to go into the grocery store and just buy one stable rice, 
I would steer you personally away from just buying the generic, like, this is a bag of long grain rice. Even though it's going to be cheaper, I think if you can pay 50 cents more and get a bag of jasmine rice and cook that as you would any long grain rice, you're actually going to get like a lot more flavor and a lot and a lot more reliable rice because sometimes what you're getting in long grain rice like in the generic package might be jasmine or it might be basmati and they have slightly different characteristics. So trying to cook them like universally from week to week might be disappointing for you and also for your kids if you have piggy eaters. So in general, co-sign. We do have a like a guest who talks about this, like find good rice, like good rice is not expensive and you can easily find brands that you like that fit your own personal values like whether it's local or it's sustainably sourced and and it's like real there's so many brands out there now um so definitely when you get into long grain rice find a brand that you love and i would say the same thing too of brown rice brown rice is one of those things like beans that i find to be unreliable in its cook time because it tends to sit on the shelf for a long time like it's not going being cooked through as fast as other like white rices and so you might find that sometimes it takes 40 minutes to boil your brown rice and sometimes it takes 50 minutes if it's like sat on the shelf for six months so just a thing to be thinking about like find brown rice that you love find a brand that you love and maybe buy small amounts of it so you cook through it faster and you'll probably get more reliable results i just want to stop and take one little (laughs) short short little detour to just like talk for a moment about this idea of where does our food come from local foods we don't talk about this we don't have this conversation very much because you know we have a commitment to accessibility here at didn't i just feed you and you know it's important to kind of touch on it and let everybody know like what are the options out there but to really think about what everyone can afford and it's just sad to me that being able to get small batches of wheat that has been processed recently that has been processed within the country you know rice that comes from like a local crop that hasn't been sitting on the shelf for months and months and months It's just too bad that that isn't a more accessible commodity and that our food system doesn't support that because it's so much more delicious. Yes. I mean, you know, rice, wheat, these are the kinds of things that we think of as staple foods that are there as vehicles to other things. But actually, like, rice can have such a beautiful flavor on its own, even without tons of butter and salt. <laughs> Although I co-signed that <laughs> as well. also excellent with those yes. things. Yes. <laughs> exactly. You know, it's just too bad. It's just too bad because it's true. It does cost a little bit more to buy those things, to buy a small package of like higher end, quote unquote, rice. But if it is something that you can budget for and make work and you want to explore and experiment, I agree that it is so worth it. Yeah. And I think this is a good place to talk about sourcing too. Like, If a budget is a concern, and maybe you guys do, like maybe your family eats a ton of rice, maybe consider where you're buying your rice from too. Like, are you buying it directly from a brand online, which a ton of brands offer that now? 
Or are you visiting maybe your local Japanese market or Chinese market and buying rice directly from them? Oftentimes, it's less expensive there, in part because they go through it. They buy in bulk. Their clientele is buying the black rice more often. So it's not just sitting on the shelf and they're not marking it up. So that's another thing, like when you're thinking about budget, how you can have better rice in your pantry, don't just stick to your supermarket for sourcing. Absolutely. Okay. But if you are sticking to your supermarket, yes, part of how you can maximize this super versatile ingredient is to cook it well. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, before we move on to cooking, we should, because we talked a lot about long grain rice and we touched a little bit on medium grain rice and short grain rice, but we didn't talk about what like instant and parboiled rice is. Oh yeah. And I'm the one who said we should talk about that. Yeah. So (laughs) So I'll just, I'll be really quick. Instant rice and parboiled rice, both of them are pre-cooked, sort of like instant oats. Like they're processed a little bit more. They're usually flash steamed and then dried. And all it means is that they cook really quickly. That does pull some of the nutrients out of them. There's not as much fiber. You're definitely not getting as much flavor. But I think we both have used those in our life. Like I grew up with the, the minute rice that you could boil in a bag sometimes. If I was going to buy a convenience rice item now, I would probably pick like frozen rice, which you can find in the freezer aisle, or we've always debated what these are called. And actually, Ibrahim from A Dozen Cousins corrected us on what it's called. It's like a fresh pack. You know, it's like an envelope. Yes, 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 yes. Those packages of rice. We called it shelf-stable. I don't know. He corrected us. You're right. (laughs) He did. He was like, no, ladies. You got it wrong. But those packages of rice are great and fast cooking. You can even microwave them, which is awesome. Um, So that's what I would recommend if you're looking for a quick cooking rice product. It's so funny because I agree that frozen rice is my number one convenience rice, but I would choose parboiled over those packets. Why? I don't know. I mean, I wonder if part of it is like portion size and like packaging and pricing. Yeah. Because I have bigger kids and a very large they husband. Eat large portion- <laughs> they yes. eat large portions. My husband's 6'4", I'm 6'14". Yeah, so I think because of that, and also I have to admit, I got this from my brother-in-law born and raised in New Orleans. When I make gumbo and I make his recipe, when he serves it to us, he takes the rice and he puts it in a cup and he does it upside down, you know, so that it's like this nice little like sphere, molded sphere Beautiful of rice. Beautiful presentation. Beautiful presentation. Yes. That's his thing. And I can be, the way I cook rice can be a little unpredictable, like the way it turns out. If I'm not paying attention, especially, and I have a lot of things going on, and we'll talk about that in a second, because rice is notoriously tricky to cook in some ways. Yes. But anyway, parboiled will just come out the way I need it to. <laughs> and I like that. When I make it, I just feel proud of how all the grains are separate. It's fluffy. It's just what I need it to be. But I do it mostly for gumbo because you do really sacrifice flavor. And yeah. gumbo has so much so flavor. So much other flavor. Yeah, that I'm like, yeah. okay, I can get away with this. So I kind okay. of always have a packet of parboiled rice in my cabinet. Listen, no judgment. I, what, I'm just trying to give you the facts yeah. about it. <laughs> and you choose what to buy, Stacey. But that's a really good segue because I am kind of of the mind that for each type of rice, there's kind of like one best way to cook it. For example, I never... I never boil brown rice on the stovetop. 
it takes too long. There's it's too fussy. It always comes out sticky for me. So I always bake it in the oven. You like put it in an eight by eight baking dish, put a little pat of butter in there, cover it with already boiling, boiling water from the kettle, and it bakes perfectly in like 40 minutes. Medium grain rice, like Arborio, I'm pretty much using it for risotto only. Even though I recently learned you can cook it like regular rice, there's this like rice cooking technique that is called the pasta method, which we all boil pasta so we get the idea. You bring water to a boil, probably more than you need. You throw the rice in, you cook it till it's tender, and then you drain the rice off and like put it back in the pot and fluff it up a little bit. I do not find that to be a reliable method for me in general, whether it's arborio rice, brown rice, or even basmati rice. It does work somewhat well for things like wild rice and black rice. But in general, I use this really hacky technique I learned from Alton Brown to cook long grain white rice at home. Uh oh, because I have a technique for long grain too. Is but it I want to just throw it in your rice cooker. <laughs> no, it's not. I mean, because we know that you love your rice cooker. No, and I, think I we do. Should talk about that a little bit. Don't you also remember though that Mike told me when we got the new one, I wasn't allowed to use it until I read the manual. And you have not read the manual yet. It's no. been like two years. It ha- more. <laughs> More. And he actually, now I use it because he was like, okay, fine. Don't read the manual. Just use it. I'm like, thank you very much. I will. But for a long time, he's like, why? We just got that Japanese rice cooker. It's so good and amazing. Why are you still cooking rice in the pot? I was like, because you told me I had to read the manual. Yes. Haven't had time for that. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) But wait, before you move on to long grain, for short grain rice, do you ever do like uh, Asian style sticky rice? I do. And that's like actually a new to me technique. Are you talking about steaming it? Yes. Yes. I just recently learned about steaming it actually through our rice package. And I have not figured out like the best steamer method. So I'd lo- we should actually try to find someone to teach us, to be honest with you. Unless you have a method. I don't have a method. I've done it. That is how I do it. But I'm a little bit all over the place. And then I also sometimes do short grain like sushi rice, half with water, like the same way I do long grain rice. But I'm adding half water, half mirin Mm. when I'm cooking it. And then I'll finish with vinegar. And so it's a little bit more forgiving because I want it to be like sticky and gooey anyway. Yes. But like it's not something that I would, it doesn't come out reliable enough that I would want to serve it to guests. (laughs) It's that way. But it's always delicious. Yes. That's funny because I would say something similar to like doing coconut rice and using coconut milk in part of the Mm -hmm. water. Like it's very forgiving. So I don't mind if it's a little bit sticky. Yes, totally. But for making just like very fluffy long grain rice, basmati or jasmine, the technique I use is to actually like heat up the rice in a little bit of oil in a small saucepan. I do this so often I have like the amounts memorized. So it's like two cups of rice, two tablespoons of oil, and you like cook it in the pot. You're getting the pot hot while you're also getting water boiling. I use my electric kettle. You could use another pot on the stovetop, but you need three cups of boiling water. And it's a little bit violent because when the rice is hot in the pot and you have the boiling water, you're going to add three cups of the boiling water to the hot rice and it's going to like bubble up like crazy at first. You give it one quick stir to make sure nothing's sticking on the bottom of the pot. Put the lid on and turn it down to low for 15 minutes. And then you take it off the heat when the 15-minute timer goes up and 
let it rest for five minutes. And it is like the most fail-proof, fluffy, perfect rice I've ever had in my entire life. And it's what I use every single week. Okay, Megan, before you tell us more, let's take a quick break to hear from another sponsor this week. Megan, it's no secret that I'm a maximalist who loves luxe clothing and home goods. Mm-hmm. It's also no secret that I'm a minimalist who also loves investing in a handful of small luxe things that will last and service for a long time, especially for my home. And we both love a good deal, which is here, here. we both become obsessed with OneQuince.com, a one-stop shop for curated luxury goods shipped direct from the world's best specialist factories. Quince partners with factories that produce well-known luxury brands and that demonstrate a commitment to high production standards, fair wages, safety, and sustainability. They also focus on essential products with low design costs. Think cashmere cruise, super soft fleece pants, and the down comforters, and hotel quality sheets that I'm stocking up on for the new house. Yay, new house! I'm so into those cashmere crews, though, because back to some clothing. <laughs> and they are only $50. I've also stocked up on even more affordable and chic linen shorts, silk camis, and washable silk PJs for the summer. And all of it ships direct from factories straight to us. No middle person and no upcharge. Altogether, that's how Quince is able to keep prices up to 50 to 80% lower than other brands. Real Simple, InStyle, Fast Company, Refinery29, and Fortune all agree with us. Quince is a game changer. And if you give them a try and disagree, Quince will give you a full refund. So treat yourself today. Get free shipping and a 365-day free returns at onequince.com. That's O-N-E-Q-U-I-N-C-E. There's no way to be a perfect mother and a million ways to be a good one. This beautiful quote by writer Jill Churchill captures the spirit of a new book that Megan and I have absolutely fallen in love with. Creatrix, wisdom, insights, and principles shared by the mothers of success stories in sports, business, and culture is a collection of stories shared by the mothers of world-renowned CEOs, entertainers, professional athletes, and others who have come from a diverse range of countries, cultures, and creeds. At their core, the stories in Creatrix explore the age-old question, nature or nurture? And while we already know that it's the interplay of both, Insights from these stories reveal the profound role that motherhood plays in how nature and nurture come together. This book is a must-read for all moms. It's a full-on celebration of how mothers from all over the world and all walks of life can parent differently, yet still manage to tap into patterns of instinctual advice that nurtured the best in all of us. Reading it is empowering and heartwarming, reassuring and inspirational. Plus, a portion of the book's proceeds are being donated to three organizations that support families— Good Plus Foundation, Believe in Achieve Foundation, and So Good Now. We can truly think of no better gift for all the moms in your life, including you. Learn more about these organizations and order your copy of Creatrix by visiting didn'tdigestfeedyou.com or shop for the book directly on Amazon. I was going to explain my method, which I think is probably what people are used to doing if they've like read recipes and have wanted to try to perfect rice because it's the method that most people talk about for long grain, which is boiling the water. You know, people will say a two to one ratio of water to rice. And And I actually... the like finger measurement too, right? Isn't that a whole thing where it's like you just cover it by a a finger's width? 
or Isn't what it knuckles two? worth. I don't know. Yeah. yeah, something like that. I do one and a half water to one cup of rice. Okay. So that's what I do. I don't know what to tell you. What is that? That's not enough information for us, Daisy. I is don't know. I just medium feel like, heat? Well, is I'll it low heat? I, I'm okay. going to get to the whole thing. But in terms of the water that I have read that basically you should pay attention to the rice and not the water amount. And if your rice is done at the end of the process, which I'll just go through, if there's any water left, just drain it off. That's fine. If your rice is the right texture and it's separate and it's fluffy and all of that. I always found that I did have water left over and it annoys me. I don't know why to have to drain off water. And so I just reduced the amount of water I used and it works for me. And this is the thing, like the exact pot you use, how big the pot is, is your heat a medium or is it slightly higher? These are all factors, which is why rice can be so tricky. So it really is a matter of like experimenting when you find the right setting on your stove. When you find the right pot that works for you for that, like two cups of rice that you always cook as a matter of course for your family, you should really just stick with that (laughs) and, you know, use the rest of what we're saying as a like as a guide. But anyway, I use one and a half cups water. I bring it to a boil. I add the rice. I add salt. I usually add a little bit of butter, sometimes a little bit of oil. And then I bring it back to a simmer uncovered, not like a rolling boil, just like bubbles popping all over the top of the water. And then I cover it. And sometimes if the bubbles were really popping vigorously, I'll even lower the heat just a little bit. You just really want it to be a simmer, like a pretty gentle simmer. Then I cover and 17 minutes and then I turn it off and then I do not look Keep it covered. I really think that that's something that I people think don't a talk thing about. There, yeah, where it's like it's part boiling, but it's also part steaming. And so, if yes. you're like constantly taking the lid on and off, you're yes. and like that rice ratio is so precise. Rice to water ratio is so precise that if you're like opening and closing, opening and closing, you're losing valuable water and steam. Definitely and you might have underdone rice. Um, I just think that's a really funny thing where it's like I don't want to peek. I don't. I don't want to peek. I know. <laughs> that's why if you're nervous. Getting a like a pot that you're going to use for rice if you cook it a lot that has a glass top is a good little tip. Or maybe you can buy just the top for an existing pot that you have. I think the other important thing, oh, I have two other important things I'm just going to throw out there. One is to make sure that you're using a big enough pot. I think people make rice in small pots and rice really does need room to expand. So that's important. And the other thing is use your nose, which really like we talk about this a little bit on and off about all cooking, but especially if you're going to start playing with the water ratio, the water to rice ratio, you can smell if your rice is starting to burn, if something's not feeling right, you know, you can just kind of start to intuit if you cook it enough. And I think your nose is really key in this. So smell your way to perfect rice. Is that not helpful? <laughs> that was really <laughs> to smell your way I also to rice. Want to say that there are like lots of little tips and tricks for if you undercooked your rice or you overcooked your rice. Um, I don't know that I could speak to all of them, but I know like one thing is if you go to check on your pot of rice and everything feels like 
on the side of overcooked, quickly dumping it out onto a sheet pan to get it to cool and to stop cooking is a way that you can save your overcooked rice. Ditto Genius. if you find that your rice is a little undercooked, adding a little bit more water and letting it steam over um Low heat is an, a really easy way to save it. I know some people do the like sheet pan method where they dump out their undercooked rice and they sprinkle or spray water on top and then stick it in a low oven for a little bit. I try to avoid that because it's dirtying another pan when I don't yeah, necessarily like, wow, need that's to. a lot of freaking work. Also, all else feels just add a ton of butter and maybe some cheese if the meal calls for it and pretend that it's creamy rice. <laughs> Heavy cream, heavy cream too. Yeah, cottage cheese is actually really delicious stirred into rice, and even just like a little bit of sour cream. All of those things work. Okay, and won't give you quite the same pull as cheese. So depending on your meal, you can still use dairy to make creamy rice. We just love or coconut milk, right? Yeah, coconut milk is so great with so many rice dishes for our non-dairy listeners. I have a question I want to ask you before we sign off, which is, do you rinse your rice? This is kind of controversial. Okay. Just say. We're not judging you. No, it's fine. I just wish I had, like, I really like clear answers. Like, I'm a clear answer kind of girl. And I don't, like, sometimes I do and sometimes I don't. And I'm annoyed at myself (laughs) for not being consistent. I feel like I should, and I don't always. And now I think more and more there are people coming out of like the woodwork and being like, it's okay. Don't rinse your rice. It's going to be fine. So then I'm like, oh, maybe I was right to like not rinse my rice sometimes anyway. And it's easier. I learned that you should. Okay. I'm going to agree to disagree with you. I don't think you always need to unless you're cooking a sticky rice or short grain rice that you want to be sticky, in which case rinsing it three or four times actually helps bring out the starch and make it stickier. That's my final answer. That's your final answer. I don't always. (laughs) And I also will say, and this is so cockamamie and weird now that I'm saying it out loud. If I'm making like a stir fry, if I'm making something Chinese and I want that like beautiful like all the grains are separate i will rinse it and put more effort Mm. into it and then if i'm making something else like mexican food sometimes i will rinse it more but then if i'm making something else where i'm like it's okay it'll be fine i don't know i'm like even greek style rice i'll just do i won't rinse it because i'm like if it's sticking together a tiny bit you know, it's not like sticky, but it's just not quite as like every grain is distinct Then I'm not rinsing it. I love that you said I'm a clear answers girl. And then you just went on a journey with us of yeah, like how unclear right? you are. And I think that that's a thing that we could make a whole episode about, about, you know, there are these like cooking rules or food rules and even like recipe writers, food writers don't always stick to those rules. There's always instances to not do something and maybe it's because you're busy or maybe it's because you're like in an Airbnb and you don't have a mesh strainer to rinse your rice in. Like so many reasons to not follow the rules and most of the time it's fine and we should talk more about that. I love that. I love that because I do like clear answers but I'm also someone who's willing to break rules 
I know you are. <laughs> so I know you are. Okay, but I do have one thing to ask you about the fact that you never rinse your rice, or you, as a matter of course, you do not. But do you think that could have to do with your method, the fact that you are heating the rice in oil before it even has contact with water? Because if you were to cook rice my way, I wonder if not rinsing. It would be more sticky. Yeah. Because so, right, I think that's important to talk about is why people say you should rinse rice is, one, it's an agricultural product like beans. And you sort of want to make sure that you're not getting like the field dust and dirt in your finished dish. But also people say starch, like as it's shipped, those little grains of rice are rubbing against each other and they're sort of making this like starchy dust that lives on your rice. So the threat is if you don't rinse your rice, it's going to be sticky. I think that, you know, our that that may have been true even 20 years ago, definitely 30 years ago, 50 years ago, where we didn't have the technology in processing that we do. I don't think it's universally true now. So I think it's less important unless you're trying to achieve a certain texture. Did that answer the question? I think so. (laughs) I do because I was just sitting here as you were talking. I was like, this is such useful information, but I'm still thinking about what is the reaction between the hot oil and the rice? Isn't it it sealing the grain? I think there's that, right? Like I'm probably actually cooking the starches. Yes. So there you, you go. That's what I was going for. When you cook starches, you can deact before yes. you add water to them, you can deactivate them. So you're probably right that cooking it in the oil, which is just like a really weird thing. I'm just going to go off on a small tangent, which is when I was in <laughs> culinary school, I swear on my life that I was taught that when you cook rice in oil, that is called tenacre, like it's a French term. But I have Googled to my life's end this word, nacre. <laughs> I've asked other professional home cooks. No one, no one in the world that I have talked to yet can verify that this is actual truth. Maybe I was like smoking too much pot in culinary school and I'm having like a weird. (laughs) This is so funny to me. It's funny to me too. Okay, so maybe if you've heard the word nacre, you can send us a message, email me, something. Confirm that I'm not uh, absolutely out of my mind. So to do that, maybe find us at Didn't I Just Feed You on all social. Come visit our new website where you're Uh, able to sign up to be among the first in our new and improved community coming to you June 2021. All the deets are at didn'tijustfeedyou.com. And of course, make sure you're subscribed to our newsletter to get an exclusive recipe and our pick of the week every single week. You can subscribe at didn'tijustfeedyou.com or follow the link in our Instagram bio. And talking about subscribing, of course, subscribe to the podcast right where you're listening right this second. It's just one click, people. Our music is Good Old Times by Alex Cohen, provided by Gemendo. A huge thank you to our editor, Samantha Gatsik. I'm Megan. And I'm Stacy. Stay sane and well-fed until next week. Be sure to subscribe to Didn't I Just Feed You wherever you're listening. And don't forget to rate and review 